welcome to another episode of Dynasty Underdog. No Uriah this week, no Jake this week, but all good because I got my good friend and the host of Pure Potential Podcast, Paul Patterson with me. What's good, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing? Uh, happy to be here, fill in for the other guys and talk a little rankings, talk a little <laughs> rookies. I mean, it's it's that time of year. Everything is everything's in play right now. Yeah, man. We got a little bit of everything for sure. Before we hop into it, just anybody who's not in the Discord, you got to hop in there, uh, check our Twitter, check my account, hit me up, find a way in. Uh, it, it's great. Great time in there. Paul's in there. A uh, lot, lot of different personalities in there. So join us. Um, and if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, haven't subscribed, please do so. Dropping a ton of stuff on there. We have a ranking symposium. I'm dropping film rooms almost every day. It's exciting. And, and I love this time of the year. So let's hop into it. Like you said, we got a couple notes here, but we're going to do some prospect profiles today. We're talking about Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. Super stoked about that. Paul's going to roast the DU rankings a little bit which is going to be interesting. And then we'll, we'll finish off with some dynasty trades. But, uh, but like I said before that, we do have a couple notes here. I want to talk a little bit about the dynasty underdog listener league four. We have this going right now. We're in like the, the 14th or 15th round and I shot you the link. And I just wondered if you have any thoughts on this. Uh, I, I just took, you know, I hit two quick notes here that I, that I thought were, were interesting. King Henry going in the 12th and, and really like, I mean, half of the running backs that you would have expected to go, you know, five rounds earlier, like Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, all of these running backs kind of going in, in that same range. I thought that was as, as a pretty far drop for, for the former studs. And then George Kittle in the eighth round. I mean, I, I don't know what it is about George Kittle that people don't love. I know that the consistency isn't always there, but he certainly has the upside, you know, and I'm I'm just wondering, do you think that's kind of the appropriate place for, for these players at this point? Or have we, have we dove too, too much into like rookie fever season and, uh, and are killing the vets? I don't know if it's rookies. I mean, looking at it, I think it's more like mid wide receiver fever, if I'm being honest. Uh, <laughs> I think that the first thing that struck me was the running backs. Like I think, Henry, along with Connor, Mixon, Aaron Jones, Pollard, Brian Robinson, those guys are going to look like great values, I think, uh, six months from now when we actually get into point scoring season. And people are like, wait, why did I take Wandale Robinson ahead of these guys? Like, he's scoring 10 points per game. I don't really, I, I just think that people get scared at this time of the year when you see like 27, 28 year old, 29 year old running backs because it's like, oh, the end is near. But really, at that price point, all you need is like an RB2 season from them and, and you are you're looking great and if you get anything more than that then it's then it's a steal yeah i i definitely think you have a good point there in terms of like the wandale robinsons the dontavian wicks of of the world you know that's why i felt like at this point i went zero running back in this draft i i didn't select a running back till round 11 and securing joe mixon and james connor at that point feels pretty good to be honest with you and i don't even like james yeah. uh, i don't even like joe mixon personally <laughs> i get this yeah point. i mean it does wonders for your for your lineup like you're gonna you have all these younger players like these star star quarterbacks and stuff that you're able to pick up and then push comes to shove you know that running back room could be pretty comparable to you know most of the league who were paying, taking running backs earlier so i think that's a great way to play it with these guys going late this is later than i've seen them in most drafts but even still they're, they're going pretty late and I think it's a really great time to get in on them at a discount. Um, the other thing, one of the other things that stuck out to me, well, I'll touch on Kittle first since you brought him up. I think it's maybe, this is tight end premium, I assume? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think a little bit late. Um, I do think ranking him in the same range with 
Kelsey and Njoku make sense. So I think maybe that whole group of three should maybe move up a bit. I would prefer them pretty, pretty strongly to Jake Ferguson, Dallas Goddard, Cole Komet. So um, I think the gap there needs to be wider. Maybe they all move up. But yeah, I mean, Kittle, I mean, Kittle still got it. It, it, He's going to have spike weeks. It's just in that offense. It's not going to be consistent, but no tight ends are consistent. So it's like, he's kind of the cheapest guy you're going to get where you can reasonably get 25 points in a week. And that's, that's valuable. Yep. Awesome. Was there something else that stood out to you? Yeah. A couple of guys. I just really like the price on Jonathan Taylor in round five, Deshaun Watson in round five. I think those are both strong values. Yeah. I was going to take Watson. I wanted Watson there um, instead of in Jigba, but uh, that's a steal to me. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think, I think people are really overstating his struggles from last year and then maybe kind of underestimating just how much staying power he's, he has with that contract. Uh, he doesn't have to be an elite quarterback to give you fantasy points. He doesn't have to be an elite quarterback to keep a starting job in the league. He just has to be passable. Um, he's going to have, he has the rushing upside. So I, I really like that there. And then Kyle Pitts, man, round six. I can't, I can't, I can't pass on that. I mean, that is, that's great. We'll talk about him in the rankings portion. I'm sure. Tight end six. He went tight end six. But I that mean, is, that's but that fine. price, that that's price fine. is, is, I mean, in terms of where he went among tight ends, Look, I, I don't care if you want to rearrange them a little bit, but I think relative to other positions, I still I'm still high on the upside there. So mm-hmm. I like those three picks for sure. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, Pitts is just such a difficult player to rank and and you know to to I guess value in a startup because the youth is so juicy, right? You're just like there's so much life left in this. So I, I get I definitely get the allure of, of that one. I traded I tried to trade up for both Jonathan Taylor at the five three. I tried to trade up I think three picks before him in every pick until he got selected. And then I was hoping Watson fell to me as well. So those are two that during the draft I definitely was was totally in on as well. So yeah, I mean I think right now just looking at it like zero running back hero running back super viable strategy still just based on you know where where these veteran running backs are going you can definitely piece it together and still get some some youth uh, we see ty chandler just go at 15 11 and also this is another thing i just want to mention again i probably mentioned it too often on this podcast but the 211 or sorry the 212 is still out there and i i'm just surprised it hasn't been selected yet and i think that with kickers being placeholders as rookies they get forgotten sometimes and and i've yes. kind of just been snagging them left and right rookie picks absolutely get undervalued in these startups most of the time it just depends on the group of people you're drafting with but most of the time they're, they're undervalued people just like forget that they're an option i mean yes. I, I if you go into an like an established league and you try to trade mac jones for the 212 you try to trade sam howell for the 212 you try to trade noah fan for the 212 you're gonna get smash rejected like there's it's not happening <laughs> um they're they're going to laugh in your face like they'll offer you five fab in the counter offer and tell you that that's what you're gonna get so i i think that it's genuinely something where you like you have to make sure you remember that you can take these picks and it's annoying like you have to count all the way like what what pick are we on now like you need to know and so maybe it's just inconvenient but yeah no it is but i pinned the order and everything so everybody can go to the pin you know messages and see so but no it is a psychological disadvantage i think for some people when you know they're not actual assets you can select as what they are right they're they're a placeholder so you forget about them so yeah i definitely agree but i I do think um you know over gabe davis i'd take a late second at this point even though i know he's probably going to gain some hype when he gets signed somewhere inevitably but but yeah there's just a lot of players here so i think just you know if you're doing early 
startups, this is just a great example to look at some trends that you might be able to take advantage of. So um, I thought it was a good one to look at while we're going through it. And it is our listener league. So we're going to talk about it. Definitely. Let's move on. I heard this on the Superflex Super Show. John Hogue, friend of the show, been on there with him. Great guy. They do great work. I thought this was kind of an interesting topic. They were talking about selling CD Lamb off of this season. Basically, he's hit the highest of highs. There's really nowhere else to go uh, in terms of improvement, in terms of you know value gaining, uh, dynasty value, that is. So are you kind of, I guess, into this idea of, of selling CD Lamb? And there was some ideas of maybe selling him for one of Etienne Gibbs, maybe some combination something like that, just kind of really trying to capitalize on, on, you know, how high the value is. What do you think about that? So, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent to the idea of selling lamb. Like I, like I think, yeah, he's, he's capped out his value and he's not going to go up, but that's pretty much true of everybody that's going in the like first round of a startup. Like it was just no, yeah, he's hit the highest of the highs. I, I just don't know. Like, is there a reason he's more of a sell than let's say Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, I guess is the question. Not that he should be valued above them, but is he more of a sell than them? Like, is there something about his, uh established greatness that is like more fraudulent than them i guess is the question I don't, I don't necessarily think that there is um like we just saw the the production that he put up this year he's sort of been on a trajectory to hit that he's you know he's not an old player i kind of see him in, in that tier or like a half tier behind those guys and so i mean i'll sell him like i i don't i don't think that there's he's untouchable, but I, I'm not worried that his value is like overly inflated right now. I think he's, he's rightfully the wide receiver three in dynasty. I think he's more valuable than any running back in dynasty. And so that's fine with me. I, I would be totally fine to pivot into a, an elite quarterback. If that's a weakness on your team, because that's always going to be a safer store of value. Um, you know, if you want to try to trade him along, get an appropriate plus, but try to move him into a, a Kyler and Anthony Richardson, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Jordan Love, that's, <laughs> Yeah. That's fine with me, you know, pick up a plus on top and you get a, a quarterback as opposed to wide receiver that they, they do score more points. They're typically more safe in terms of like value fluctuation. Trading down for Gibbs or ETN, that doesn't appeal to me much because you're picking on a riskier asset that's going to score fewer points. I, I, I mean, if I'm getting a crazy, like I'm getting a mid first or something on top or like a, a late first, you know, maybe I'm into that discussion, but to me, I, I don't see trading him too much differently than I would see trading a Chase or Jefferson. Yeah, I like that. And I, this is kind of why I brought it up. I didn't know if we were going to be on the same page, but that's kind of how I it, like thought about this when they were talking about it. I'm like, well, why are we, why is there this perception of fragility that's going along with CD Lamb's profile that doesn't exist with the other tier one wide receivers? Cause I think that he's a tier one wide receiver at this point. If we're, if we're going to tier these guys together for me, I, I think there's there's four of them personally, but whatever. If you want to have the top three in there, he he led the NFL in expected points per game among all wide receivers. Like that, that's something. Um, you know, he 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 has the quarterback locked up. Like we know he has quarterback stability. We can't even say that about Justin Jefferson. Um, and then you look at his PFF grade. I mean, grade over ninety, right next to Justin Jefferson. Like there's there's no questions about talent. There's no questions about the offense. There's no question about his role as like the top dog. I, I just don't see any reason for this to not continue. Yeah, one of the points that was made and that I, I don't agree with is that he can't do this again, or at least he won't do this again next year for sure, was kind of the idea because these kind of seasons aren't repeatable. And and sure, maybe he won't do the exact same thing, but I yeah. I do think he's providing you a significant a significant advantage and, and probably an advantage similar to one that he exhibited this year. 
Yeah, that sounds like kind of the same as that fallacy where it's like, well, nobody ever repeats as the RB1 twice in a row. It's like, yeah, because that's really, really, really hard to do. That's that's just a testament to how hard it is to score 21 points per game as a wide receiver, <laughs> not anything about the player right. inherently. Like, he's going as the wide receiver one in best ball drafts right now. Like, he should be the betting favorite or one of the top two or three betting favorites to lead all wide receivers in fantasy points again next year. Um there's nothing I expect to inherently change. The Cowboys offense was incredibly effective with him doing this. So it's not like they're going to be like, okay, guys, how do we change things up to be good next year? Like they were good. They were insanely good. Uh, so I don't think that their top priority is like, how do we lower CeeDee Lamb's target share? Absolutely. I think the only thing, and we probably both agree on this at this point, is I, I definitely would venture out and see if I can move CeeDee Lamb for an elite quarterback or a potentially elite quarterback i do like the idea yeah. if if you can really get like a kyler or an anthony richardson plus type thing that's probably a move that that you need to be making unless you're secure at quarterback you don't need to do that kind of thing right but if you if you need some help there i, I think that's a pretty pretty good way to move off of cd if you wanted to but i agree with paul yeah. I, don't, I don't really want to or feel i need, need to his adp he, his adp on uh, dynastydatalab.com has him going two slots ahead of the 101. Would you would you rather have the 101 or would you rather have Lamb? That's really <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 really tough. I think it might be a little team dependent, but I probably take the 101. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I I've got him I think I've got him right after the 101 in my rankings yeah. if I am remembering correctly. So I think I I think I have him <laughs> right after, let me see. I have. I, mean, I can look at the rankings. I have him going after the 101. So yeah, I would take the 101. All right. All right. Good discussion. I like that. All right. This one is a fun one. So I was scouring keep trade cut as us dynasty degenerates do, and I did not need to scour very far to find a discrepancy I did not agree with. Mark Andrews tied in six behind Kincaid and Hawkinson, and I threw this out into the Twitter world or the X world or whatever the hell it's called now. There, there was not a consensus. <laughs> on this topic like no. i thought there would be i mean you know some of the stuff just before i let i toss it to you just some stuff that people kind of were throwing at us or at me i should say were you know age he's getting older injuries coming off an injury and isaiah likely his replacement is already on the roster <laughs> so <laughs> without without cracking up what i guess what do you think about this uh, topic well, I, I wasn't too surprised about the lack of consensus. I mean, if there was a consensus, then he wouldn't be ranked that way. <laughs> you know, on the there he wouldn't be ranked that way on keep trade cut. But sure. um but yeah, I, I mean I think it's I think he's too low. I, I have him personally as my tight end four behind Laporta, Bowers, and McBride. Those are the only three tight ends that I would take ahead of Andrews. And I, I don't think I mean Hawkinson above him is pretty egregious in my opinion, because <laughs> he's not that much younger. He had this devastating injury. Like Andrews is coming into week one, no limitations. He literally played in the playoffs. He's he's back. And he actually has a quarterback. Hawkinson plays with Justin Jefferson, plays with Jordan Addison, might have a complete unknown or a rookie at quarterback, and probably won't play or won't play well until like mid-November of this season. So it just doesn't make any sense. I understand why some people prefer Kincaid. Some people were really high on his profile. There's the Josh Allen effect. Maybe Stefan Diggs is getting traded. Like I understand the appeal there, but I, I don't think right now it, you just don't need to do that right now because like it's hard to project Kincaid to score more than Andrews is going to score this season. 
So it like it requires a real leap of faith to just put Kincaid there. Yeah, it, it really is the mystery box a little. We know that that Andrews is an elite tight end. He's finished tight end one. He's top four in points per game the, the last two seasons. Like he's he's elite. This is what we want Kincaid to be. And I guess I'm not I'm not sitting here like, why do you like Kincaid so much? And and I agree with you that Hawkinson is certainly the more egregious of the two. And also I think uh a lot of people don't realize that he's not very dynamic either. Hawkinson, right? He's a short area target pog and he's and he's really not offering too much after that. He did thrive on touchdowns, obviously, this season. And and he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But I just I'm, I guess my question is more why are we why is Andrews taking a hit? Because he hasn't scored fantasy points since November. That's why. That's well, it. That's, that's the whole reason. <laughs> I mean, we are a fickle bunch, aren't we? That is ridiculous. Like we are. That's a hundred percent it. Injury discount every year. It's it's like it's it's just clockwork. And the Isaiah Likely stuff, dude, miss me with the Isaiah Likely talk. Like I don't think people <laughs> understand how much better Mark Andrews is than Isaiah Likely. Like it's not it's not close. I don't I don't get like he scored some fantasy points. That's fine. He's a good receiving weapon. Okay, Mark Andrews was third in PFF receiving grade. Um. Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson are the top four. Laporta was six. McBride is seven. I think that might have some signal. Preach, preach, preach. Likely, likely was at 26 among tight ends. And by the way, that's overall grade, but it's also not close if you just go to receiving grade. So if you're like, well, Mark Andrews is a better blocker. No, he's a way better receiver too. It's not close. Um, likely is a backup tight end. Like I, I understand he could start on other teams, but the idea that he's stealing from Mark Andrews, who's literally one of the best tight ends in the NFL is just, ludicrous to me like me i don't know maybe they'll take rashad bateman off the field to let likely play and not mark andrews i mm-hmm. i don't know if that's crazy but but yeah i mean buy the discount absolutely yeah joe comes in shiny new toy syndrome is a big reason mandrews is a discount yeah we have a lot of young tight ends who have come in and been awesome right like they they had really good seasons and and kincaid is certainly one who had a, a pretty effective first year but you know you go and look and and it just it wasn't what you are it's just not I don't think what we're looking for in a guy like Mark Andrews. And I think we forget the kind of advantage that Mark Andrews provides. We forget that he's on it. Just like Kincaid, he has a great quarterback too. <laughs> like, you know, the, yeah. he, has, he has Lamar Jackson and a scheme that is probably better fit for, for this team. And I think like you're talking about with Isaiah likely he's going to, he's going to earn targets, but they're not going to be targets that, that, that Andrews was earning. They're going to be targets that, that maybe, uh, who was who was it? But Rashad Bateman, maybe, or or Nelson Aguilar, like one of those guys. Sure. Those are those are where he's getting his targets from. Well, we see this fallacy sometimes where it's like a player gets hurt and then another player comes in and they play well, and it's like, well, you can't put this guy back in the box. He's the same player that they've watched in practice every <laughs> single day for two years. What was likely doing before Andrews got hurt? Nothing. Like it's not like <laughs> they just discovered this guy can play. We just discovered he can play because we don't watch him every day in practice. The coaches know who he is. Like this idea that he, oh, he came in and he performed well. Now they're going to have to make it a two-man tight end committee. We see this with running backs all the time, where it's like, oh, running back X got hurt, running back Y slotted right in. They were they were even better. Like watch out, you know that now everything's going to change. No, it's not going to change because they already knew what they had. <sighs> <laughs> I, I got nothing else to say. No, I, I mean, that's, that's, I, I agree with everything you said. I was just shocked that this is a, a common narrative that, that people are following or believe in or whatever it is. I mean, just imagine, I mean, for the age one, before we move on, just imagine we're fading Kelsey at 30 years old because right? he, you know what I mean? Like, and, and he's 28. And, I mean, he's 28. And for me, he is in the same 
he's the same caliber of player that that Travis Kelsey is. He's the same caliber of tight end. Travis Kelsey has the better quarterback, and he is a absolutely dominant player. I'm not trying to shit on on Travis Kelsey. I'm trying to really prop up Mark Andrews here, and and I think get get the listeners to understand how good of a player he is all around tight end, and and how yeah. long he's probably going to play, and that you know longevity just shouldn't be an issue here. So right, he he's the age is not a question, and the funny. I've seen multiple people be like, well, there's an out in his contract after this year. Like, that's a scary thing. Like, well, oh my gosh, what if he went to an offense that threw more than 30 times a game? That would be crazy. Oh no. Yeah. Like, like whatever team signs Mark Andrews right. is not intending to use him. What if him? he yeah, gets like... signed as a backup? Oh no. Like, yeah, he, he, maybe he'll go to a new team and be better or the same. Like, what are we actually afraid of? I don't understand. Yeah, I, I'm not worried one bit about Mark Andrews and this is just another off season. It's 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 a yearly tradition now. Another off season where Mark Andrews is going to be undervalued. Go ahead and go buy yourself a couple shares and reap the rewards for for the next couple of years. That's nice. That's how nice I fifth that. round pick on uh, Underdog right now too for any of the best ball players out there. Dude, <laughs> Love it. Him and McBride. I can get you can get both of them in like early round five. Perfect. Oh, you can you can pair McBride with with Kyler Murray pretty easily on Underdog, yes. and it's a uh, it's it's a fun time. I got to tell you, it's a beautiful thing. There are some. <laughs> I wasn't going to do much best ball. And then I did one like on a whim and I was like, some of these prices are just broken, dude. I'm just going to join. Yeah. I'm just going to max this tournament and like pick the same players in every, every single one, I guess. Yeah. I actually was listening to, I, I listen to a lot of legendary upside now. I remember listening to one of the guys talking about how he was like, instead of uh, having a more diverse portfolio, he was just like hammering some, I, I forgot who it was one of the guys who won, who won this year. And um, I think that's a good idea, right? Like if you can get in early and you can hammer some narratives that you believe are, are right or wrong, I think you can really make some bones in the, the best ball world right now. Yeah, well, it makes sense to do it now. Like if you draft a lot throughout the off season, now is when the prices are the less, least settled. So if you have like a hard stand, like I think like like I think Deshaun Watson right now is absolutely broken price. He's like QB 24. He's going like 150th overall. I'm taking him constantly. And I think that price is going to correct. And then in June, July, if he's going like five rounds earlier, then I won't draft him then. But over the portfolio, I'm getting in at the best price. Um, and so you can definitely do that with the early the early drafts. Yeah. All right. We, we don't do best ball around here. This is Dynasty. <laughs> what are we doing? But I bring Paul on and he just the, the show devolves into best ball talk, of course, of course. And yeah. it's a secret. It's a secret. I, I, I wear many hats. Ball, but <laughs> I do play basketball, but I don't talk about it much. One last question before we hop into the prospect profile. Again, scouring uh, keep trade cut, and I see that Deontay Johnson's wide receiver forty five behind Jameson Williams, and then Pat Fairmuth tied in seventeen, right in the same range, uh, and then Jalen Warren right behind him. So <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, are we yeah. a little too low on? I feel like this is one of those things where you could maybe take advantage of. You know what I mean? Where everybody's just like, right. you're zigging while they're zagging. I would say technically yes. Like I think technically that the the all three of those guys are like a little bit too low, but also mm-hmm. I'm not at all excited about getting them. Like. I here's let me put it this way if I could like if I decide how I want to spend my time I don't know if firing off trade offers for Pittsburgh Steelers players to get them on my dynasty team is like high on that list like I I don't know if like I'm because I'm winning because I have Deontay like six wide receiver spots higher he's not like I don't think any of these guys are going to matter in fantasy so it's hard for me to to like really get on board um they don't have a like forget Arthur Smith for a second they don't have a quarterback at all it's just, I just feel like it's going to be a mess. And it's, I think Warren is the one of the group that in, is most intriguing to me. Deontay is that guy that, you know, your wide receiver three spot looks a little shaky and like week two, week three, you go out and get him. But I, I don't, 
I don't think he's a priority ad. That's fair. Like, I, I don't think any of these guys are priority ads, but yeah, man, I could see them finishing well above their current yeah. ranking, current ADP, and and I'd be very comfortable trading Jamison Williams for mm-hmm. for Deontay Johnson. Oh yeah, or, no, definitely or a, or a player like that. I just I think that the QB situation is overrated a little bit in that it could get right really quick. And look, Russell Wilson's not Russell Wilson. He used to be, but we're hearing those rumors already. If that happened, I'd be much more comfortable with these pieces. And I think the return on investment would be pretty significant if you got them at this price. Did you see Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy last year? I don't don't know. Cortland Sutton was fine. And I I still, I contend that Russell Wilson was not the problem. And I think Jerry Judy is unfortunately not that good. I have Deontay ranked at wide receiver 35. So, I mean, I definitely have him well above that ranking. And yeah, I mean, he he could definitely return value for you and be the wide receiver too. I mean, I don't see him that much differently than like a Christian Kirk or a Chris Godwin or something, like maybe a little bit above those guys. His days of like low end wide receiver one or whatever is definitely gone. But, you know, he's a little interesting. Definitely some some room for paying off at that price. Okay. And so you you just you have no interest in in a uh a Pat Fairmuth who is valued below Isaiah likely, Luke Musgrave, Evan Ingram. Um I'd rather have I mean I'd rather have I'd rather have him than likely because he actually is a starter. I I think it's a toss up with Musgrave. I think I mean there's I think there's more upside with Musgrave right now, like just based on the offense that he's in and I mean, I think Pat Fryermuth right now, if I it like gun to my head, who's a better football player, I'd say Pat Fryermuth, but I don't know. I hope like, so. I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, <laughs> definitely taking Evan Ingram over him. I mean, he, Evan Ingram's going to get another 120 target season this year. Yeah, no, that's like, fair. Just based on this year's production alone, I'll I'll take him. And I'd, and I'd rather have Michael Mayer yes. than Pat Fryermuth. But, but I think he's... Pat Fryermuth is the guy you draft in the startup because you like missed on all the tight ends. And <laughs> I literally did that in the analyst startup. <laughs> Who am I going to play in week one? I get like, I need to get Pat Fryermuth or I'm going to be starting Greg Dulcich in week one. And so, yeah, it's just, it's tough. I, I don't know. I mean, Fryermuth's a guy, you know, he saw 79 targets his rookie season, 98 his, his uh, sophomore season. And then, and then he had to deal with Kenny Pickett. So, I mean, I think that Fairmuth has a little bit more upside than maybe we're giving him credit for. And, and I do agree that situation is, is a really big factor. But I think he's a pretty good player. And I also, he's 25 years old. So I think he's a better player than Luke Musgrave personally. And Musgrave is going to have to contend with Tucker Craft. Darnell Washington is, is a, a sixth offensive lineman. So I, I think I might like Fairmuth just a little bit more than you. But I, I agree. I think Evan Ingram is probably where we, where we cut it off there. But so. Not too much. Yeah. Are we really saying that the Steelers don't trade for quarterbacks when they had Ben Roethlisberger for like 20 of the last 24 <laughs> seasons? Like, I don't know if we can really definitively say anything about what the Steelers do and do not do at quarterback. Like, let's see what this desperate situation yields before we before we decide. They they cannot force us to watch Mason Rudolph th- this year. It they, feels they like they can't, right? Like, that seems like it should be, I don't know, cr- like a federal crime. But I mean, Russell Wilson's going to be a free agent, so... They don't have to trade for him. I, I wouldn't go out of my way, but like if you're making a trade and you can like, you know, you can work those guys in as kind of a way to even the scales or whatever, and you can pick up value that way. I think that's that's totally fine. Like, I agree that they're underpriced. Uh, I definitely agree with that. I, I think I would definitely be into buying both those guys personally, because I, I don't think I would hate if I got stuck with them. Uh, there's plenty of youth and, and I think plenty of time to turn things around. So, you know, I think Deontay, John, Deontay Johnson is 
a free agent next year or this year. So, I mean, there's plenty of, of opportunity there. Anyway, all right, let's move on to the prospect profiles. We're hitting on two pretty big ones today. So uh, I don't know if much of what we're going to say is going to shock people, but we, we got to do it. We have to. Uh, so so let's jump into it. We're, we're taking on two LSU Tigers. Let's start with what is, I think, widely perceived as the wide receiver one in the class at this point, right? Even over Marvin Harrison. I, I mean, it, I, everywhere I look, that's that's the word, but uh, that's what I'm going with. So we're going to talk about Malik Neighbors real quick. And I, I'm going to let Paul, if he wants to talk a little bit here really quickly, generally I'm breaking down the film and Uriah's breaking down the data, but Paul is going to be playing Uriah's role today. And, um, I, you know, Malik Neighbors has pretty much impeccable profile so i guess my question would be is there anything to note that is like on the negative side or is this just a perfectly clean profile to you as far as i can tell i, I have no nitpicks I, i'd say that he's kind of neck and neck with marvin harrison jr right now um I, I definitely don't think having him at wide receiver one is any kind of a hot take they're very close he's pretty much a flawless prospect i mean across the board um he's he's going to be a top 10 draft pick he broke out at age 19. He had this past season, he had 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns on 89 receptions. That was a 33% dominator, um, 30, 31% target share, 3.8 yards per team pass attempt. I mean, all of these are hitting the thresholds that you want to hit. Six foot, 200 pounds is what he's reported weight as. There's, there's absolutely no concerns about size. He's like an absolute, you know, he's a prototype. Um, he's declaring early. Everything that you want to see is there. I, there. I have no doubt in my mind that he that he's a great wide receiver. He's actually very comparable to Odo Beckham Jr. analytically. Um, and I mean, it, he fits the profile like LSU. Obviously, mm -hmm. that that there's some helmet scouting there, maybe. But in terms of the numbers, I mean, very comparable. Neighbors actually had a slightly higher best season target share and best season yards per team pass attempts, just just a little bit. But like you go down the board, each column like they look very close. Neighbors probably even going to get the better draft capital. So very, very high on him. Absolutely. He's going to be a steal in rookie drafts if he ends up going 104 or 105, just because of how many like quarterbacks and, and Marvin Harrison are, are going to be going out of him. And from a, a film perspective, it pretty much backs up the the data or whichever way you want to, you want to say it, but you know, just elite quickness and agility before, during the route, after the route, a, a diverse release package twitchy, incredible start-stop ability. He's just an alien. The guy's an absolute alien of an athlete. Like, he moves differently than most of the, the players on the field. And, uh, you know, you, you can hop onto our YouTube channel and check out the the film room I just dropped on him if you want to get into, like, the real nitty-gritty. But, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the two things that I, I think that I could even force myself to pick out on tape, and, and I think when you're, when you're trying to you know, properly scout players. Like you, the, the worst thing you can do is go in and just be like, this guy's great. So no flaws. So, you know, I'm trying, I'm really trying to dig and look for stuff. And I think the only two things that I could really find are sometimes he might rely on his athleticism a little bit too much in terms of not running a, a perfectly sharp route. He might just, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm bigger, faster than this guy. I don't need to, to make this cut inside. I can just round this thing and, and just run away from him. And I, and I saw that a couple times, um, noted it in the film room, but Again, this is like something that's not going to prevent him from being successful in the NFL because he's really a technically sound route runner. Like the, the stuff you see from him is, is incredibly, incredibly refined. Just the way he's able to throttle down, the way he, that he's able to put moves on in the middle of a route, right? Like these are things that you're not going to see from, from every wide receiver in the class. 
So um, not too worried about it. The only other thing is is some boundary awareness stuff, like just sideline stuff where he'll kind of lose the sideline and, and you know, run himself out of bounds or just not be able to, the quarterback won't be able to get the target there because you know, he's used a little bit too much of the sideline, we'll say, right? He's closed it off too much. So those two things, again, like if those are the only concerns you have on tape, then what are we talking about? But I, I figured if I'm right. going to mention anything, I'm going to, I'm going to at least highlight some of those little things. He's probably going to end up being my wide receiver one in the class. And it's, it's really mostly because I think he's a little bit more dynamic than Marvin Harrison. That That's really what it, it comes down to for me. I mean, this is a vibes based take, but he just like, he just looks like the type of wide receiver that has had success recently, like more so than, than Harrison. I don't know. It's, it's very much just matching to the current thing in the league. But like, if you look at, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CD Lamb, Garrett Wilson, like Malik Neighbors looks more like those guys than Harrison. So I'm I'm not saying like his archetype of wide receiver doesn't work or anything. I think it's just less common. And so it's not something that we see come up a lot. I mean, the AJ Green comp that people have thrown around makes perfect sense. I, I think that's definitely like the kind of wide receiver that he is. And he's and he's right there too. Like I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with having him first. You mean Marv or uh Marvin Harrison or neighbors? Yeah, 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 yeah. Marvin Harrison comp to okay, yeah, to AJ Green. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I prefer Larry Fitzgerald comp. Like that's exactly how he plays football, in okay. my opinion. And and Larry Fitzgerald, I want him on my team. Like yeah. I want Marvin Harrison on my team. This is not a knock on Marvin Harrison, but if you just think about Larry Fitzgerald, and he was pretty dynamic for the player he was, but he was definitely more of a possession type receiver as a whole i think and i think when you look at a guy like neighbors you're like this guy explodes off the screen he's going to run right past you and he could have 100 yards and a touchdown in two plays right or in one right. play and and marvin probably can do that i just think it's a at a probably lesser clip of so it, th- these guys are really close I, I don't know why i'm like sitting here splitting hairs but yeah neighbors awesome awesome prospect i think he yeah. checks all the boxes i watched the just bombs productions highlight film this afternoon and uh, my film take is dude can ball so <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you know ball sounds yeah, like you know ball, absolutely ball. Yeah. do you do you happen to have him in it sorted into rankings anywhere or any of the rookies into rankings i'm just curious we're doing that this week okay i'm adding the rank i'm adding the rookies to our rankings this week and we will have them all ranked by monday i've got neighbors as my wide receiver eight Ah, that's what you were asking okay um let me just take a peek into the the you know my rankings and see kind of where i think he'd fall so you have him at, at wide receiver eight you're saying yes which would be around let's see yeah i mean i think i'd probably have him at wide receiver eight yeah because i'm gonna have i think i'm gonna still have probably aj brown hookah wilson wow it's gonna be close he man this is gonna be tough it's very him. very hard if i if i end up flipping him with harrison i'd have him at seven so um, I have both of them in that in that top eight. I actually have AJ Brown outside of that group. Yeah, and no, well, now that I'm talking it through, like I'm actually talk, thinking about just flipping some of these rankings in general, but not not far, but I, you know, just a little bit. But I do think that he would be, he'd have to be somewhere between five and eight for me. And Marvin's probably going to fall in there too, so that's going to have to push somebody or a few in this group of Wilson, Nakua, and Brown. Yeah, exactly. It's, they it's they have to move around, and it and it sucks because like. The, the, the Nakua one is so crazy because he just doesn't have the draft capital or, or the pedigree of any of these other guys. So it's like, how are we doing this? But but it's like, oh, he also broke all the rookie receiving records. So like he's probably 
he's probably good. Okay, that's a tough discussion, man. That's a it tough is, one. It is. It is tough. I yeah. I think the. I mean, I think the key there is like if you're getting the last guy in that group, then you win. I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at. So do you have them in the same tier? Well, so I have Jefferson, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, and then I have Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson, and Puka. Um, and then, I, so technically I have the rookies in as picks because on, on da- data labs, you can put the rookie picks into the rankings. I was just kind of putting them got it, got it. Me- yeah. mentally. Um, but I have one Oh three and one, I have one Oh two, one Oh three and one Oh four, like mixed into the group with Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson and Puka. So it's sort of, it's like all, they're all in there together kind of for me. And it's hard for me okay. to decide. It's hard for me to decide who goes ahead. Cause like, yeah, Harrison and neighbors, they, they're more exciting. Like, the the brand equity of them over Puka Nakua, like that makes sense. But at the same time, if they were to do what he just did, like that's a 99th percentile outcome for them. It's like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around ranking them ahead. Naturally, I think I'm going to have them at seven and eight, honestly, because I think I'm going to move, just looking at the rankings, I want to move Garrett Wilson down a little bit. I want to move both Garrett Wilson and AJ Brown below neighbors and Harrison. And I don't know what to do with Puka in that situation so it's like yeah. do i put him above in the middle or below but i th- i could easily see those two jumping a puka by end of 2024 yeah it's i mean if there's one thing we know it's that it's gonna look way different 10 months from now so <laughs> that's for sure yeah that's for sure okay all right we've talked about malik neighbors a good bit uh, this one might be a little more interesting because he's, he's not necessarily the bulletproof prospect that Malik Neighbors was, but his teammate Brian Thomas Jr. is pretty damn good. If you watch my film room, I, I'm not comping him <laughs> to this guy, but I see, and I said on there, I see flashes of of uh, Devonte Adams stylistically in his game. Uh, he's really, he's just such a smooth route runner, smooth off the line, like he kind of just glides the transition speed from catch to run is all one motion for him. He's, you know, a really deceptive route runner. You see the manipulation movement, you know, within the route. I really like what I see from from Brian Thomas. I didn't see too many holes in his game. If anything, it was really more like the after the catch stuff for me that wasn't necessarily there like like a Malik Neighbors style, right? Where you're seeing this guy catch the ball, he's making a guy miss, he's forcing a missed tackle. You know, he's hop-stepping and then you know, he's jumping around this guy and he's got a touchdown all of a sudden after 60 yards. You're like, what, what just happened? I don't see that really in, in Brian Thomas's game. So I think he's pretty much like a route technician, a guy who's going to get himself open. He, a little bit like a T. Higgins where he doesn't really offer a ton after the catch, but yeah. he's just a super, super stable, awesome wide receiver. And I, I think he's going to be really good at the next level. What, what do you see from the analytics department? So, I mean, numbers wise, he looks pretty good. Definitely like worlds away from neighbors and Harrison. And and I'm guessing when I get into more, like probably a tier below a, a Dunze as well. But but right now, I'd say he's right in that wide receiver four conversation, especially if he does get that round one draft capital that he's projected to get. If he goes in the first round, he, he does look pretty strong as a prospect. He, he didn't break out until this season. Uh, last year, he was he was behind Kayshawn Butte. Uh, so he was the wide receiver three for LSU, didn't really do a whole lot. So this year was really his only year where he was making an impact. But he did have that 32.7% dominator. He is coming out early. He was over my threshold for target share and touchdown share. So overall, everything looks pretty solid. His dominator is a little bit misleading because dominator combines 
receiving yards percentage with receiving touchdown percentage. So his receiving touchdown percentage was 38.6%, but his yards percentage was only 26.7%. So he wasn't quite as, he wasn't, he almost looks the same in Dominator with Neighbors because he had three more touchdowns than Neighbors. But in terms of the, the yardage and the reception discrepancy, it was a clear like A and B situation. But I mean, being the B to Malik Neighbors is not like a knock on anybody. Still had 2.9 yards per team pass attempt. That's really, really strong. So all, all in all, this is looking like a guy that you absolutely would want, you know, in the late first round of your rookie drafts uh, if he gets that first round capital in the in the real nfl draft this guy is super interesting i mean he's gonna bully uh cornerbacks at the next level it's just his release is is so smooth and there's such a noticeable burst that he's just able to get over top of defenders to stack them really easily so i'm excited to see where he ends up if he gets that first round draft capital i think he's gonna be a pretty solid value in rookie drafts like this guy's gonna end up going at the not back end i guess but at the back end of the first round of rookie drafts for sure and he's gonna go ninth at the absolute earliest and and that's like that's a value i'm sorry in this draft i, I love that spot for him and uh i mean i would even i you think odunze is gonna go ahead of him yeah definitely i mean he's yeah. gonna go ahead of him in the nfl draft i i think he he probably is a better prospect and i think i think he's pretty locked in as the wide receiver three so i think you've got a big six with the three quarterbacks um marvin harrison neighbors bowers and then I think Adunze and McCarthy are going to come in right in that range too. McCarthy's going to go, I mean, he's going to go early, I think. And he he should be going pretty high in, in the rookie drafts. And then after that, you can figure out who wide receiver four is. Maybe it's Troy Franklin, maybe it's Brian Thomas Jr. But whoever it is, that's probably who's going at nine because I don't think any running back is going to put themselves in that position. So I think you're going to have like maybe three wide receivers in a row that are kind of people just pick their flavor there in the late first. Yeah, it's interesting. I think he's so NFL ready, honestly, that I, I'm probably going to, like, I'm, I if I had a pick around Odunze, I might be comfortable trading back and picking something up to to snag Thomas. Give You know, if, if things kind of fall right in terms of he gets the, the DC and, and the landing spot isn't atrocious. Um, I, I like Nate. I mean, I, I like Thomas in terms of what I see on film um, a good deal better than, than what I saw from Odunze, though I know that the, the production profiles are probably massively different but i just think you know he's he's got such great explosiveness and size to match it it's just not something you really find too much these days yeah um, you, you you know defenders really can't press him too much just because he's so physically dominant and so quick and smooth it's it's just it's a it's a recipe for disaster for them so um, i i actually i guess i didn't dig into the the profile enough and notice that he broke out this year, which is an interesting point. Still a junior and an early declare. So it's like not that yeah. big of a deal um, for him to break out now. It's just not as like, there's, it's a whole different ball game when you're talking about like age 19, sophomore season breakouts. So, all right. Jake disagrees with us. He's saying, saying that Garrett Wilson and AJ Brown drop from top seven instead of Puka plus AJ for Marvin Harrison. And he's saying, I think he's saying that's what we're saying. He's saying that, Garrett Wilson and AJ Brown drop from seven instead of Puka. I think he thinks Puka is the more uncertain asset. Oh man, I I I could not disagree more. I would have Puka. then Garrett Wilson. Then Garrett I, Wilson. Well, those two guys, I think is it's close. AJ Brown is the one that I think I don't have him close to those two. Like I don't I don't think this is fan. an Eagles fan right here. This is I'm an, an Eagles, I'm an Eagles fan. fan. I don't think he's. I just don't understand. I just don't understand how like okay, Puka was better this past year as a rookie than AJ Brown was. Puka is like four years younger than him. He's in an offense that's going to throw the ball more. 
and he's being drafted ahead of him. He agrees on he agrees on AJ Brown. All right, all right. It's it's the Puka comment. It's the Puka comment. All right. Well, you're a hater, and uh, <laughs> and I gotta calm down. Oh, you my can't wake my you, daughter up. <laughs> you can't. You have to respect this man. I don't understand. What else does okay. he have to do? What else does he have to do? Multiple years of sustained success is what what it's gonna take for Jake Sheesh. to believe. I I mean I listen like I I can't kill anybody for like again when I'm talking this through with you i mean you heard me say it i'm like i don't know what to do with puka in that range because it's it, it's just it's challenging to come to terms with the fact that he was that his draft capital was so low that he's such a good player and how do you marry those things or how do you you know it's, it's just hard to come to terms with like okay so yeah. now he's just he's just wide receiver six for good yeah for good, right? i don't know i mean in terms of like coming to terms maybe go to therapy i i don't know i got <laughs> if we did no this with, okay if we did this same thing with Amara st brown how would we feel i don't know like it, how i guess the question is like other than it just other than it not being sustained like what is the actual reason that it would be like that something would change like what like what are we actually nitpicking like the guy is is flawless do you not think that any of his production was impacted by sean mcveigh and matthew stafford it, or do, I guess better said, if he landed on another team, like if he if he had landed on the Cardinals, would he be the same player this year? No, but Garrett Wilson scored twelve points per game this year. Like that's true of anybody. I don't know. Like, right, okay, no, I figured that was going to be yeah. the, the retort. No, that that's fine. I'm I'm just trying to. I think that's kind of what people are are thinking about as well as like the is he situation dependent? Is that what happened here? Right? Did is, did Matthew Stafford make him? And then also it took ARSRB multiple years of production to get there wasn't he a wide receiver one in his second year he was a, was and then he was like literally this year he was wide receiver i mean he's only played three seasons 2022 if we're looking at amon Ra, he averaged 16.7 points per game wide receiver seven in 2022 so yeah he was pretty, pretty good pretty good year yeah, i mean two. the only difference is that puka was better sooner i mean that's that's really the <laughs> That's it. That's all we got. He, it needed to take longer. It needed to take longer for us to believe that. <laughs> He's, he is, I mean, every play, like, yes, in his, in his absolute 99th percentile outcome, he is offense and scheme dependent, as is every other wide receiver in the NFL. Like, I'm not, it, Garrett, we just saw Garrett Wilson, who I think is a tremendous talent, probably a better talent than Puka, get 160 targets and score 12 points per game, because that's what happens when you play with Zach Wilson. But, but, Puka Nakua doesn't play with Zach Wilson. I don't need to like game plan this hypothetical reality where he he does play with Zach Wilson. And yeah, I mean, maybe if Stafford was replaced with someone else, like the production could come down. But I mean, if it comes down, it's still higher than almost any other receiver, and he's still 22 years old. So I just don't know. I just don't know who we're moving him for, I guess, is the question. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. might be a patriot in two months. Like what that's that's the guy who we're we're talking about hey, situations. Now. <laughs> watch out watch out yeah no that'd be terrible let's yeah let's not have that happen <laughs> do not speak that into existence my goodness okay i mean look that's what's great about having the live shows i love that we can interact with the people and they can drive the show a little bit that's that's great stuff i think those are good conversations okay thank you paul for breaking down malik neighbors and brian thomas with me i think that was really good stuff i know that these are pretty highly touted prospects already but i do think it's worth getting a, a really holistic view on each player and that's what we're doing here if you want more on both these guys hop into the youtube channel you get the film room there 
a couple of five minute videos on both these guys, really good stuff. Um, and I have a bunch of fun putting those together and adding some, some little stuff in there with the clips and everything. Paul, you got any prospects or sleepers or anything like that, that haven't really been talked about that you, that you've been into, or like, I guess, are you, are you not that far into the, the prospect season yet? Just it's fine. If not. No, so, I mean, nothing too crazy. I, I, there's a guy who's sort of like vaguely interesting, uh, Jamari thrash out of Louisville. Okay. Um, okay. just in terms of like putting the numbers in, he, he does hit the thresholds that I like to see with his best season target share, touchdown share, yards per team, pass attempt, all that stuff's really strong. It's, it's pretty comparable actually with the best season for neighbors. It's just that the caveat there is that thrash was two years older and in a, an offense that was less prolific and with less competition on the roster. So I'm not saying that they're comparable, but in terms of his, his raw production, the thresholds you want to see that looks good. He did break out as a junior, but he's not an early declare and he's probably not going to get draft capital. I don't really know where his draft capital is. I, I haven't heard hardly anything about him. So I'd have to assume best case scenario. He sneaks into the third round, which is going to make him, you know, maybe a guy you take a shot on in like a late second to early third kind of range. So probably not a guy that's going to light the world on fire, but maybe a guy who has some talent just based on the, production he was able to put up apparently the qb play there was was pretty terrible as well which which probably impacted things so that's a wide receiver jamari thrash okay that's an interesting one that is one that i have not yeah i mean i'd be curious if you, if you watch him like what you see from him um he broke out at georgia tech as a junior and then mm -hmm. transferred to louisville this past season he is he's on my list i actually just moved him up the list a little bit so i can get some some film out there i think those are the Honestly, those are the more interesting and, and the more entertaining ones for me to put out because nobody knows about them. I don't even know about them. So it's like when you when you find somebody like that, um, it's cool to to kind of uh, showcase them to, to the community. So that'll be a fun one. Good stuff right there. All right. It's 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 your this is this is your segment, Paul. All right. My time. Paul hit me up on the side and he was like, uh, your rankings suck. So <laughs> no, that's not what happened. But uh, like anybody else disagrees with, with some of our rankings, which is cool because I think that brings up some fun discussion. So I wanted to get Paul in here to roast our rankings a little bit. Um, but before oh, just a that, little bit, hold on, let me just, just cross out like everything I wrote down before I, uh, before I, before we hop into that, I, I kind of, I know you've been putting your rankings together, which I think is a unique process if nobody's ever done it before. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, I guess, just what that process has been like for you and, and if there's any challenges you've faced in, in doing this. It's very challenging. I put it off for a while because it's just frustrating to like put all the work into like putting all these names in and then like moving them around and it gets really, you change your mind every five seconds. And um, so actually what, what pushed me into finishing them is this new site that's up and it's like, I keep mentioning it. It's not, I'm not like sponsored by them or anything. I just think it's awesome. <laughs> uh, dynastydatalab.com. Um, yeah. I do, I do sort of work with the guy who made it a Dyko cause he's an analyst in the bulletproof discord as well. Um, where, where I also do analysis, but he did put this site together. It pulls ADP from sleeper and you can actually like make your own rankings very easily. Now it's like drag and drop with these little hexagon tiles and you can make tiers and everything. So once it got easier to actually put them in, I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to make these decisions and like actually put them together. So I did my top 124 rankings yesterday. I stopped at 124 because my brain got tired, not because that was like a goal that I was trying to get to. Um, but yeah, so the, so the way that I, I did it was I just sort of wrote down some rough 
positional rankings off to the side first and then try to kind of split those players into tiers. And I, and I tried not to fuss about the order too much with that list. And then I pulled up the the rankings app on the other side and I just started dragging my players up um, to the top and sort of rearranging them cross-positionally, which is where it gets really hard too like ranking across positions, like how do I put this tight end, you know, into this cluster of wide receivers? It's it's very arbitrary at times. Um, and, and sometimes if I'm in a really 50-50 spot, I just kind of think like if I was on the clock right now in a startup, who am I going to click on and, and why? And sometimes that helps. Sometimes it doesn't. And I just have to put them in a certain order because they have to go in a certain order and it's I can't put them on top of each other. But, um, but you know, I, I don't think with rankings, you need to stress too much about being exactly right one spot to the next you just want to sort of be directionally accurate and like use your process to sort of put tiers of players in the right spots i think that's more important that's that's really great stuff i i think that it really kind of matches what we're discussing in our ranking symposium series on youtube and it's also on spotify and all other platforms you know ranking is not about getting the final order in my opinion it's way more about going through the exercise and getting a, a better understanding of how you value each player, right? Like that is what it's about. I mean, obviously sites put out rankings to offer advice to folks essentially, but I think that it's better used as a tool to compare to like market compared to ADP, yeah. see where values differ. Do you actually believe what you're ranking? Do you actually believe what the market says? And how can you take advantage of these things? So that's like, I, I just think that it's much more about the exercise than it is the end result. Yes, I do think that I derive more from it by making them than by looking at them. I will say, I just like having them as like a reference point for myself when I go to make a trade. So the key with rankings is not to stress out too much about like the order the guys are in one, two, three, four, five. It's more about like pockets of value. And saying like, okay, well, if I need a tight end and this guy needs a wide receiver, it's okay if the tight end is like under the wide receiver in the rankings. It's just you want to make sure you're in the right ballpark and you're not paying, you know, first of all, that you're not like sending an offer that's ridiculous, but also that you are within your own set values of players, you're sort of moving laterally as much as you can um, and not giving up more than you need to. Yeah, that's where the tiers really help, right? Where you're like, okay, this is a tier one tight end, but he's going to be below this group of wide receivers or whatever. But it, it adds some context to that saying like, you know, yeah, like I couldn't trade for this guy because he's in, like you said, this pocket of players. Okay, so that's good. I, I think that's a, a good brief, you know, bit on on kind of the process and, and some of the challenges that, that we face going through rankings. Um, however, I, I do think anybody who hasn't done them, putting together your top 100, 150, yeah. is super beneficial because you're going to you're, you're you're going to realize a lot of discrepancies with your own logic that you wouldn't have otherwise and you'll be able to kind of fix yes. those things if you're discerning enough and if you care about doing that i definitely i definitely felt like i strengthened my position on a lot of guys doing it and also you know if you have buddies that also play dynasty get them to like look at your rankings and poke holes in them it's genuinely a good mental exercise to be like you have to defend this ranking like you need to defend it or you need to change it right because I've had that situation and I've just like, yep, you're right. I'm going to go change it right now. Like that's, I have to. And so it's, it's very helpful. It's funny you say that because I mean, that's why you're on here right now and great segue into what we're about to do. But also Jake and I do this 
regularly daily we're the ones who who really put the rankings together Uriah's just been super busy I, he's working on his and those will get in there eventually but me and, and Jake are constantly first of all like talking about startups trades whatever but then we're like oh he's ranked over here we need to adjust that like he's ranked here we need because we'll be talking through it and then you realize like you don't actually believe in whatever this ranking was and however you you got there you need to kind yes. of go back and say how did I get there and why do I believe what I believe now okay that you know what I believe now is really more of the the true story and uh and, and it's it's that push and pull and i will say for anybody who like looks at rankings that hasn't made them and just like is like these rankings suck they're terrible you don't have to stop doing that because i'm not going to stop doing it like i i love doing it it's it's great to just be standing safely on the sidelines just like hurling insults but i will say it's very very like when you actually look at this list of players there are so many players it's like you can change your mind on something and just like completely miss that like in the larger set of rankings like it's so hard to be actually locked in on each guy relative to all the other guys which is why you need someone to look over your shoulder and be like wait why is he there like that doesn't make any sense and you're like oh yeah that doesn't make sense like i'm gonna move him so it's it is really hard to keep track of across the entire board and that's why sometimes you see weird weird stuff and and maybe it's just like it needs to be pointed out all right well on that note why don't you do that <laughs> for us right now <laughs> do just that perfect right now. i've got i've got some qualms uh with okay. with the ranks so i'll start at the top the highest player that i'm gonna that i'm going to point out here is trevor lawrence who okay yeah so so you got him at 27 overall quarterback 13 um in my rank i'm just gonna throw my rank out for each one just so we can kind of see where we differ i've got him at 15th overall quarterback 10 uh at the moment so i think that's significant. Yeah. So I think part, yeah. So, you know, 12 spots that early in the draft is definitely significant. I think part of it is maybe a general philosophy about quarterback value generally, because obviously there's only three quarterback difference between us. Um, but also I do think that the quarterbacks in between them are significant. So you've got Jordan Love significantly higher, like pretty close. You've got Dak and Jordan Love pretty close to where I have. Um, and then there's a pretty big drop off. You've got Tua ahead and then you've got Lawrence at 27 back to back with Brock Purdy. So I don't know how you want to do that. Do you want to like explain the rank first and then I can kind of counter? Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, All right. I'll to to defend to defend my honor. You know, Trevor Lawrence obviously a great prospect, still young, pretty damn good situation. And while we've seen flashes, it just doesn't feel like there's really been much improvement since I guess his sophomore year after he had that terrible rookie season with Urban Myers, obviously. So I I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I guess I don't hate Lawrence, but I think what it is, right, is all the players between him and the next quarterback, I feel are safer values for the most part. And I and honestly, as we were talking through this with like the Puka and, and Gary Wilson, AJ Brown bunch, like I, I can totally see some of those guys falling below him a little bit. But I, I do think I'm valuing the tight ends here and tight end premium fairly appropriately i think I'd, I'd still take them over lawrence i just i don't know man it doesn't i i feel like even when he's been really good the upside hasn't really been there he doesn't really offer too much from a rushing standpoint and if we're talking about like a guy in tua for example i think the weekly upside is is there for him where it's not necessarily f there for lawrence given the scheme and the weapons around him. love is probably a bit too much of a projection but I just I feel like he's he's flashed more more to be excited about than than Lawrence has. So I guess generally that's kind of 
how I'm kind of thinking about it. So I guess what would you say? So I've got Love and Lawrence back to back. I've got Lawrence ahead of Love by one spot. I've got Tua significantly lower. I just think he's a much worse player. Just gener- <laughs> yeah. like I just think he's I just think he's an incredibly much limited worse. quarterback. He he I mean, I genuinely believe that. Like I think I don't think he's a top half quarterback in the league. I think he's I think he's incredibly limited and that and that he's in a system that benefits him, but even in within that system, we haven't really seen any kind of like the upside that would warrant me taking on a, what I would view as a riskier quarterback just on a talent level like I, I think Lawrence is still very good the issue that I would take with uh with what you said was the the great situation I I don't think that Lawrence is here and also I would say the rushing too I don't think he has a lot of rushing upside but I mean in, in terms of the guys around him Purdy Tua De- Prescott Love he has the most rushing acumen of, of any of those guys especially near the goal line sure he just doesn't do it that much he doesn't yeah. do it that much but but here's the thing so first of all he he didn't score super well last year. If you look at his expected points per game, he was 12th uh, in terms of his expected points per PFF. He was 0.1 points per game behind Jordan Love. Uh, he actually, and he moves up to 11th if you take out Flacco, who played like four or five games. During that season, he dealt with at least three different injuries that forced him out of games early, and he didn't miss any games. So he was literally just dealing with nagging injuries all season, including an ankle injury, which maybe hampered him a little bit in terms of mobility. Um, and then the situation, it was supposed to be good on paper. It was not good in reality. Ian Harditz tweeted out the rankings of supporting casts across the NFL in terms of PFF grades. So he took rushing, receiving, pass blocking, and run blocking. Everything in the offense other than passing, the Jaguars ranked 30th out of 32 teams in terms of supporting cast PFF grades. So I think what happened is that they built this dream team on paper, and so everybody's like, there's no excuses for Lawrence to fail, except that all those dudes actually sucked all season like calvin ridley's dropping passes travis Etienne was incredibly inefficient there was no the pass blocking was incredibly poor that's why lawrence got hurt three times um meanwhile lawrence was 15th in pff grade so i'm seeing a guy who is dealing with a bad situation trying to elevate the talent around him still scoring like high-end qb2 numbers despite injuries despite the lack of help and i still believe he's a very talented quarterback so i'm, I'm willing to make excuses for him through this offseason and I still see him closer to that Herbert Burrow tier of quarterback than I do oh, wow. the the Tua Purdy group in terms of talent. So, so I, I'm keeping him there. I'm comfortable with him there. I don't mind if anybody wants to take a couple of more of the skill position guys over him, but I would be hard pressed to move any other quarterbacks ahead of him. Listen, Calvin Ridley caught the passes. He was just out of bounds when he did it. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. yeah okay i mean i think i can hear the argument and i think you're swaying me a little bit here on tua for sure and and maybe they should come closer together and and maybe even trevor lawrence surpass him a bit uh i think i'd still have guys like laporta andrews ahead of him and and yeah maybe maybe him and love become back to back i see a lot more security in a guy like prescott murray those guys I like a lot more. I definitely, I, I don't quite agree on like the Burrow side of things. Maybe Herbert, uh, which I don't think we've updated his ranking since uh, he's been strapped with the the ankle weights that are Jim Harbaugh. So I, I could see some of that stuff shifting around a little bit for sure. And I could see him closer to the, that range of guys. So, I mean, I, I don't hate two as much as you do, but I maybe we are a little too low on Lawrence. But let me ask you, like, how does the Jaguars offense reasonably get better? Draft draft O-line. I mean, that's the, I think that's okay. the biggest thing they can do is, is improve the O-line either in free agency or through the draft. I think that could go a really long way. Other than that, I mean, add, 
you know, another weapon or, or sign another weapon, replace Calvin Ridley with somebody better. I, I, there's ways, uh, you know, for it to improve. And I think there's also just kind of natural variance from season to season. The key thing for me is like not necessarily trying to predict that the offense will immediately get better, but more so saying, I don't, I don't believe the people who are like Trevor Lawrence is mid and he hasn't actually done anything in the league. I think he actually has shown to be a quality quarterback who's been held back by surroundings. And that's the type of quarterback I always want to buy into as opposed to Tua, who's the exact opposite where he's a guy that I think has only been elevated by surroundings. Like if something changes for Lawrence, I think it can only change in a good way. If something changes for Tua, I think it can only change in a bad way. I would much rather take the the former there. Yeah, that's totally fair. And it's funny. We actually are kind of on par with market here. Lawrence is QB 12 per keep trade cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you, I mean, you might be on to a little edge is kind of my point here in terms of maybe being able to to buy him for a plus, you know, Jordan Love for Trevor Lawrence plus. Like, I can get behind that, totally. You know what I mean? Like, I can totally get behind that, first of all, with the market evaluation. And, and I think you're convincing me to move him up a little bit. But I, and, and he's 24 years old. He has plenty of time. I just feel like for, and maybe this is this is part of, you know, the the dino theory, psychology side of things where it's like are we getting stuck on the fact that he was the generational qb who hasn't necessarily lived up to that generational status but he's still really really good like he can still be really good without being the generational guy right Right. and so so here's what i would say i would say no no i mean i do think that he i think kyler should definitely be going ahead of him um i agree i totally agree with that i think that the upside there is just there's a different level but you know you look at jared goff right who's who's four years older I would view Goff as basically Lawrence's floor in terms of production. Like Lawrence outscored him this year, uh, had a higher expected points per game, at least. Let me, sorry, let me double check that. They were basically neck and neck in points per game. I believe Lawrence is more talented. Goff is going two rounds later. So like in terms of a safe investment, I just don't think you're ever going to be like upset that you have Lawrence. He's not going to, he's not going to go to zero at worst. It's like, Oh no, he's not like a high end QB one. He's just every single year he's going to be a high in QB2, low in QB1, and score 18 points per game. Like, is that such a horrible outcome for him? I, I think that that's a fine investment. When you look at other players in this range, Brock Purdy and Tua seem far more fragile to me. I'm not saying they're overly fragile, but I think they're more fragile because I think they're less talented. Um, and then you look at like wide receivers, you know, Chris Alave, AJ Brown, I mean, Christian McCaffrey. Like, these are all players that are way more volatile than Lawrence in terms of their their overall floor so I'm comfortable with him there even if even if I don't get the ultimate payoff I just don't think it's gonna burn me let's be clear we do not have CMC over oh no sorry I was just looking at the the ADP yeah the ADP. yes yes no, no, no. I, <laughs> I totally get where you're going I just wanted to be clear for the people <laughs> that that's not how the rankings are but no I, I you bring up a good point and as I'm obviously again we were talking about the wide receivers a little bit it only makes sense that they would move down below the quarterbacks in general anyway and and probably fit somewhere between Lawrence and Purdy and I could see Lawrence maybe jumping up into probably the 22 21 range to a moving down a little bit and then maybe maybe love um kind of adjusted a bit but I'm I don't know I mean I yeah you're probably right we are probably a little low on on Lawrence I mean just the age the upside the team situation is not that bad Jordan Love's situation is not that good like it's yeah maybe we're we're having a little bit too much uh, recency bias with with some of this stuff here. I do think Jordan loves a very good bet there as well, and I'm I'm pretty excited about his offensive cast. I think that with him and with Lafleur as well, like I think Love is a little bit better set up 
um, for success. I agree with so that. I, I, would, I think the situation is better. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if love is ranked ahead of Lawrence um, next year, but I, I don't think there will be a, a huge gap. Um, my next guy is probably the player. I don't, I don't know for sure, but of the ones I listed here, maybe the biggest discrepancy overall. Um, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba who you guys have 44th overall at wide receiver 17. I've got him 68th overall at wide receiver 26. Oh, wide receiver God. 26. So um, I looked at the wide receivers you have ranked after him. Give me DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, Michael Pittman, Jordan Addison, Rashi Rice, Nico Collins, Debo Samuel, Jaden Reed, and Devontae Adams ahead of JSN. No mm, problem. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's. I, I think this is probably a, a difference in opinion on the talent and, and the profile maybe. I was comfortable last year moving – uh, moving Metcalf for and Jigba plus I did that and um, I think my team that I did that on just happened to be able to sustain his mediocre rookie year and and I I won with that team so maybe I look at him with some rose colored glasses because of that but 21 years old probably going on 22 now but you know 21 years old I love the profile I think he's a great player I think he flashed towards the end of the season some pretty impressive uh, some pretty impressive things and some pretty big moments you know, I, I think you're buying some years back here. I think we are uh, too quick to throw some guys to the side when things don't go exactly as we want them to. Like not every rookie receiver is going to perform, you know, like like Tank Dell did or Jordan Addison did on, on a limited basis, but even those weren't, weren't incredible. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that he's a more complete receiver than than like a Jordan Addison. I think he has more opportunity to become the wide receiver one on his team in, in the next couple of years here. I definitely wouldn't take Rasheed Rice over him. No chance. Um, I'm sure you'd take Nico Collins I just over don't, him. I just, don't get, I just don't get why when Rasheed Rice was good as a rookie and JSN wasn't. I just don't. like That's was, hard for me. Rasheed Rice was fine. He was fine. And and towards the end of the year, he was fine. But his, his like ADOT is like four. Point four, like the guy lives off short area targets and yak, and I don't think that's sustainable. And I also think that they're going to add a significant weapon. You're going to still have Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to take a pretty significant step back, personally. And I, I don't see him as a, a Amon or a St. Brown type profile. I mean, they can they can add another weapon, and there's that'll be the same number of weapons ahead of him that they're ahead of JSN in Seattle already. What? How? Well, I'm saying if they add another weapon in KC, then okay, he's behind. Maybe he's behind it's Kelsey two. and some other weapon. Sure, and 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 JSN's behind Lockett and Metcalf. That's part of the the thing that I believe as well is that JSN is is likely the wide receiver too. And I think you saw that at the end of the season, though Tyler Lockett was hampered by injuries. You could say, I guess, because he didn't practice before every game, but he played most of the games. And I think you saw him eat away at that role. It's not also a guarantee that Lockett's back on the team necessarily either. I mean, that's possible. Lockett had more targets than DK last year. So as far as I'm concerned, like those guys are, I, I don't, I don't buy to the argument that Lockett is like the one that's fading into oblivion. Like, I think that, I think that he's fine. Um, I mean, he's not going to be there forever, I, but I, I actually think what it's you like said about we're, too, we're too quick, he's 31. We're too quick to, to, to throw these wide receivers under the bus. I think it's the opposite. actually, I think we give too much leeway to the prospects that we like 
that don't live up to expectations. Like this, I am getting very strong, like Rashad Bateman vibes right now. And I know that you didn't like oh. Bateman. So I'm not saying you specifically, you weren't in on Bateman, but I'm saying market wise, we had a wide receiver that went first round that had a pretty strong prospect profile, underperforms as a rookie, and people buy back in at this fifth, sixth round startup ADP thinking it's a discount. But what happens when those guys don't live up? It's not like a rookie where you get almost like a clean pass. What happens when those guys don't live up to expectations is they plummet and they become they become borderline worthless like immediately. Like JSN is a fragile guy to buy into because he didn't flash anything as a rookie that you can hang your hat on. And if he doesn't perform, he had a couple of okay games. His yards per route run of 1.33, that's egregiously he, bad. He had 93 targets, 63 receptions, and he's he's been a really reliable receiver his entire career. I'm going to assume that some of these, you know, this 67.7% catch rate is probably not all his fault. 93 for a 628 and four like I get it he doesn't hit all the thresholds you want but first of all it's pretty close I imagine and like he he looked really like there some of these touchdowns and big moments at the end of the season when they were pushing were were pretty impressive plays like I don't I think we're not giving him enough credit granted he did have a disappointing season for what we wanted and expected that right. said did, did we not expect him to you thought he was going to have 93 targets in an offense with with DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett? So I think that he was disappointing in a way that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting him to be disappointing in the way that he got limited routes and was efficient on those routes, but didn't get enough routes to be fantasy relevant. What happened is he got way more routes than anybody expected. They played a ton of 11 personnel, and he was incredibly inefficient per route. And that is way more concerning to me than a guy who just plays behind the top two and then gets eased into like a bigger role. This is a lot more on par with like a George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, where he actually did run a lot of routes, not as many as those guys, but he ran a lot of routes and was just super inefficient per route. Like 1.33 yards per route run, 19.7% uh, uh, target rate. It, it's just not impressive. And I know like he had that really insane season at Ohio State. You can't take that away from him, but it's not like we have this multi-year pedigree of, of performance like he literally had he played one season in college and then he came to the nfl so i i just it's tough it was he was a good looking prospect for sure i i just think that he's too dangerous at this point and and in terms of thresholds i mean he he didn't come close to any thresholds that would tell me he's going to be an elite producer like for me a, a hit with jsn at this point is like maybe he can be um, you know, a high-end wide receiver too in fantasy. And for me, I'm, I'm just not interested in the risk at that cost. I don't see any reason to value him ahead of a lot of the players that I mentioned. Uh, like maybe his ultimate ceiling is higher than Jordan Addison's, but Addison's floor is a heck of a lot higher. And so it's just tough for me to, to really, I don't know, get too excited about picking him that early. I mean, I can understand wanting uh, a DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, Michael Pittman. And that's probably for me where, where I stopped so I, I could see that, and I, I I get you know the position there. Yeah, I've got him in a tier with with Debo and Jaden Reed and Devontae Adams. So like, if you want to take him over those guys, I like okay, I'm okay with it. Or other than yards per route run, like, or not, I, I'm not just saying that's the only thing that you were hitting me with. But like, what did Jordan Addison do so much better with with the uh, the 108 targets on nine, you know, nine 111 yards, and it's the 10 touchdowns? Is that like what is it? Was it yards per route run? Like, what is it so significant that? That he edges them out. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but while I'm pulling this up, just to touch, to circle back to Rashi Rice real quick, not to say that he's like that. It's like a total one metric argument, um, but if you do look at the entire list, like since it's been graded 
of all Ricky wide receivers that have an 80 PFF grade or higher, literally every single one of them is a hit, um, like high end quality player. He was an 86 PFF grade this year. For me, that's enough to say this dude's a quality player. And like, maybe he doesn't do everything well, but he's a good enough player that I don't have any doubts about him, especially in a Patrick Mahomes offense. Um, so for me, that's like, that's no contest. I, I am totally sold on his, his talent being adequate. Addison. Yeah. I'll grant you not, not too much better. He was a little bit better in the yards per outrun department. He was, let's see here, actually slightly worse in target rate. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're probably, they're probably pretty close. I guess they're probably pretty close. I, I don't know. It, it just seems like we're, we're dinging him more so because of the prospect he was you know, the, the first wide receiver overall, like, I think he had a, a pretty solid year given the situation. And while I, you know, the, the upside may be more limited, the ceiling may be more limited than, than our ranking is alluding to. I do think he's in the proper tier. Let me say that tier three, I think is where he should be. And I, and I can, again, I can get, first of all, DJ Moore, they're right back, you're back to back. I could easily push DJ Moore over that, especially if we're projecting Caleb Williams, I guess we should probably do that anyway. So I'll grant you that he should probably be behind DJ Moore. The the real big I think discrepancy here is is thinking that JSN can either be a wide receiver two or wide receiver one. And based on year one, I can see why you would have your doubts. Let me I guess I'll leave it there. I mean that's fair. That's fair. I mean it's just a different it's just a different evaluation. Um like I'm just I'm just weighing I think I'm weighing the rookie season like a little bit more heavily into it. And I'm maybe I'm just seeing a different um risk reward equation than you. And that's that's just when it comes to these wide receivers, they're so tightly joined together, like that's going to be a big deciding factor is like I'm in this tier, I'm trying to mitigate risk. I view him as one of the riskier guys that you can draft at that point. And so that's, that's a concern for me. I don't know why I can't get you on board with Nico Collins. I don't understand what this man has to do. How, I mean, he was highly mediocre before this past year. Like what, I mean, he, he never surpassed 500 yards before CJ Stroud got there. Plus everything that he did accomplish this year, not everything, a lot of what he accomplished this year was without Tank Dell, without, a, I think, a fully healthy roster in general. I expect Dalton Schultz to be back. I expect, obviously, a, a healthy Dell next year. I think that's going to eat away significantly into Nico Collins. I also just don't believe that he is in, a, I, I don't I don't want to say elite. I don't know if anybody believes he's an elite type talent, but I, I don't believe he's the the ceiling type prospect or the ceiling type talent that everybody has placed on him at this point. So I guess like from where he's at, like we moved him up, you, you we had this conversation, actually, you can't, this was the first thing you, I think you said to us about our rankings and, and we didn't move him up because you said, Hey, he's too low. We moved him up because we were like, all right, let's like really be honest with ourselves here. Let's try to get him up our rankings to somewhere that makes sense. And I don't think we did that in your estimation still <laughs> wide receiver 23 right now behind yeah. Rasheed Rice, Jordan Addison, Michael Pitt. Like, where do you think yeah. he needs to be? Well, I have him at wide receiver 14, but it's very flexible in that range. Like I like 18 is fine. Like 17 is fine. Like I could, it changes like the wind blows. I mean, it, it's very, very tight in that group. <laughs> I, I have him. I actually have him at 44th overall. So I, I guess I don't have him that much higher than you, but it's, it does still feel like we see him very differently. And I, I guess we do. First of all, funny enough, if you look at, if you look at his last season, uh, 2022, playing with Davis Mills, he actually had a significantly <laughs> higher target rate and significantly higher yards per outrun than JSN did as a rookie. So I, I think that the situation there was really covering up a lot of a lot of what was actually there. Uh, not to say he was a stud in 2022, but I think he had a profile that was a lot more akin to the guys he's ranked with now. Um, and it was just kind of suppressed by how 
dysfunctional that offense was. But you look at this season, I mean, three, first of all, three yards per outrun, that's something that like only the best of the best have even done in a single season. Cooper Cup, Brandon Ayuk, he was third in PFF grade. He was not actually taken over by Tank Dell in the way that people seem to talk about it. Like Tank Dell had a couple of games that were better than him. No, no, I did the splits. I did the splits. He was actually, I think, better with Tank Dell. Like when when Tank Dell was on the field, I think he he produced more points per game. I, I don't. I won't be surprised if either one of them takes over as kind of like the de facto guy. But right now, I see it as kind of a one A one B situation. Like I, I think they're going to be very close, and I think this is an offense you want to be attached to. CJ Stroud is one of those guys where. I think he's going to flirt with 5,000 passing yards a season, and I don't think that they're going to go make some kind of splash signing. So to me, this feels like this is where you want your wide receivers to be. He, I have zero talent concerns. He's 24 years old. I just don't know what's not to like about him other than the fact that he played with Davis Mills for the first two years of his career. That is, listen, that is uh, an indictment right there, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't agree talent-wise, personally. I think that's probably where we differ mostly on this and where I differ from the market mostly. I never thought he was a great talent. Like I, they, I mean, he was spoken about in 2022. Like People hyped him up. They liked him a lot. I, I, I never really saw it all there with him, so I, I think that he's limited in some capacities. Like I don't, I don't think he's like a, a super refined route runner. He's obviously super physically gifted. You know, uh, He's a dynamic player big body he's prototypical all that good stuff i have him and dell in the same tier but i have dell like significantly high higher than him um i significantly I have him 10 spots higher in the rankings i feel like that's significant but wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 23 between the two and and granted they're the same age different stage though i've said this before right i you know right. tank dell is a rookie produced the way he did at a much different place in his career mm-hmm. granted he had a better situation obviously than nico started out with but I'd, I'd argue that he probably would have been better than Nico in any of the situations. So just looking at those two, that's kind of how I see that. I'm I'm just struck. Like I guess where I can't come to here, and I guess I'd, one of them would be you you shoot Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba all the way down, right? Boom, that's one spot right there. Okay, let's let's give him that. So now he's at wide receiver twenty two. I'm just really struggling to find a find a way to put him above, you know. The, the Addisons, the Rices, the Pittmans, who were getting into the wide receiver one territory, which I don't believe he, um, obviously on a, week, on a week-to-week basis, he certainly can be a wide receiver one. Almost yeah. anybody can, but I don't see it like these other guys. That's why I say it's very much like pick your flavor. So like directly after him, I have Rice, DJ Moore, Devonta Smith, Michael Pittman. Like I, I, I think it's incredibly defensible to take any of those guys in any order, pretty much, like however you want to do it. I just like him there. Um, because I think of those guys, um, especially compared to maybe Pittman and DJ Moore, I just think he's put in a position to succeed in 2024 a little bit better. Like DJ Moore probably is going to have a rookie quarterback, um, which I guess Nico just had a rookie quarterback. So maybe that's not a great argument, but most of the time, like you're not seeing rookie quarterbacks produce fantasy studs. Um, and then you look at Pittman, like we're still very unsure about Richardson as a passer, what he's going to be able to produce in terms of volume. I just feel like, and he's also a couple years younger than Pittman. And then Devonta Smith, he's still, he's still his second fiddle to AJ Brown. I think that whatever Tank Dell is, you're going to see much less of a delta between those two guys than you will see between Brown and Smith. And Stroud is going to be a more prolific passer than Hertz. So for me, it's it's just a slight nod to situation, but like, talent wise or, or rankings wise, whatever, like I, I can't fault anybody for their preferences there. I do have him comfortably ahead of Flowers and Addison and Metcalf. Addison and Flowers, it's less it's just more about like 
ceiling potentially. I just don't, I don't necessarily see the same kind of ceiling for them. Metcalf, it's more like an age and like, what have you done for me lately kind of thing. But, but yeah, so that's, that's how I see that group. Again, it's, it's within like two full rounds of t- in total between all of them. I get, of course, the situation for Nico year one and year two is, was not great, but to see what, what JSN did year one and to think that he can't have a higher ceiling than, than Nico Collins. Um, it's just hard for my brain to accept though. I, I understand like historically, I understand, uh, you know, the odds given kind of what's happened, mm-hmm. but I just, I just feel like a 21 year old JSN, like would you'd have JSN below Nico, obviously. Right. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm level setting, making sure that I'm, I'm not just, BSing right here so that's like for me I, I even if i brought them close together i don't see my brain accepting nico over jsn for kind of the reasons that, that i mentioned so i don't want to belabor the point just kind of i love i love to belabor the point i just i yeah, think I, know you do. <laughs> I mean nico collins rookie season okay 1.3 yards per outrun jackson smith and jigba rookie season 1.33 yards per outrun jsn rookie season 19.7 percent targets per outrun nico 17.8 percent targets per outrun Meanwhile, Nico's coming in as a third round pick versus JSN as a first round pick. So like there's a lot more expectation for this immediate contribution. I, I don't know. I don't I just don't see JSN. See, we are holding on to the first light. round pick thing. <laughs> I just don't see I just don't see yeah. his rookie season in the same light, I guess. And I think Nico was underrated in his first two seasons because of how bad the situation was. Um he also missed a couple games in both of those years. He was he wasn't playing with the same level of competition, but he was playing with Brandon Cooks when Brandon Cooks was still good in his first season. We're like Tyler Lockett and DK are really good. Like look how look how great Tyler Lockett still is earning all these targets. But JSN should have beat them both out in year one. Like I like we are talking a little bit out of both sides of our mouth with that argument. You know what I mean? Yes, a little bit. A little bit. But what I'm saying is what I'm saying is again, I'm not saying JSN is bad. I'm saying the fact that he was actually on the field as much as he was and he wasn't able to command those targets, I think does speak a little bit to the ceiling is what I'm saying. Like, yes, it doesn't mean he's bad because these good wide receivers were getting more targets, but maybe it means he's not as good as we thought is, is kind of what I'm saying. Um, and so looking ahead, he's still going to play with both of these guys next year. Nico has already shown us what he can do in this offense. I'm just going to take the guy who goes in the early second round of best ball drafts and projects to score as a wide receiver one, as opposed to like chasing what could be from JSN when I, I wasn't even that impressed in the, in the first place. All right. All right. I, I, the disrespect <laughs> from our listeners is just too much for me to handle. Can't wait to run this back. I'm sure Paul is spitting. So I, apparently I'm not out here doing, <laughs> doing any good. All right. Just, Listen, the pure I, potential I, podcast every week on Thursdays, <laughs> garbage takes coming out from i am uh, from, i am spitting weekly all right on the on that podcast so oh no we don't we don't need goodness. to we don't need to run in circles about it i mean we just we just see them differently like that's okay you could definitely yeah, be yeah. right i personally think that there's a lot of value in, in us disagreeing like it's if if all we did was yeah. agree this whole time then this would be a pretty boring podcast or in general i think the content would be boring so i, I we're not coming on here to disagree but i think it's it's good for people to hear both sides, you know, why we think what we think so they can obviously discern for themselves, like, you know, what, what the best route to go is. I had two more of these. I I don't want, I know I don't want to like do it forever. We'll just throw them out there, throw them both out there. You had written pits down on the show sheet. We might as well just throw them out there real quick. You've got them at 65 overall tight end nine. Uh, That's insane. I've got them at 38, 38 overall tight end four. 
I just don't, or actually four is wrong. I guess it's technically five. It wasn't counting Bowers because he was a, just a rookie pick, but five would be the, the ranking for me. <sighs> yeah, this is one I struggle with. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, so I have him at tight end eight personally, right? So not much higher. I, I get the upside is probably what you should be buying into, but will it ever happen? Like is my thing. And, and is he really the player we hope he is, or has it all been a pipe dream this entire time? Like what, I guess my question is, what is giving you so much hope? So, okay. So what's going to be hope? So first of all, we got it. We still have to go back to the, I understand like, oh, it was a long time ago, the rookie season. Well, if we're allowed to hold on to JSN sophomore season in college, we can hold on to Kyle Pitts's rookie year in the NFL. Yes. Second most receiving <laughs> yards, second most receiving yards of all time for a tight end. Um, his peripheral numbers off the charts. Year two, before he gets hurt, peripheral numbers even better. Again, quarterback play is like the worst you could possibly draw up. They're not throwing hardly at all. But you look at his targets per outrun, yards per outrun, air yard share, unbelievable usage. Like you plop that into a functional offense. We're talking tight end one by a mile. And then you get into the tough situation of coming back from the injury. There, The reports have indicated like he was not healthy during the season. Like he came out and said that there was a PCL thing along with the MCL. They did an additional procedure or whatever. And the film guys backed this up that he did not look the same in 2023. So I'm chalking up a lot of what happened to just not being healthy. It was a horrible passing game. The coaching staff didn't know how to utilize him properly. Now we have, he's 23. He's younger than Dalton Kincaid. I was going to say still younger. He will always be younger than Dalton Kincaid. That's how, that's how age works. <laughs> still, he's younger than Dalton Kincaid. He's 23. He now has a new coaching staff. He's going to have a new quarterback. The, the, and the coaching staff is coming over from the McVay coaching tree. We've we've pretty much only seen good stuff happen to offenses when that hit comes into play. I, I just think it's, I just think that the upside is still high enough that he's worth buying into at a pretty high price, because tight end is such a wasteland after you get past the first several guys that like hitting on that guy, that next guy, is huge. And even though we do have this talent at the top, I don't know if we necessarily can project Laporta or McBride or Andrews or whoever at this point to actually do what like Kelsey was doing in his prime. Like, I don't think the gap between the top tight end and the next group of guys is going to be as stark as we've seen, which actually makes me like Pitts a little bit more because I think if he does hit his ceiling, it's actually not that hard for him to get into that group, um, especially with his athleticism. But for me, my biggest issue with the ranking was really other players at other positions that I saw ranked like Baker Mayfield and DeAndre Swift and guys like that that I saw were, were ahead of him in the overall rankings, that just doesn't make any sense to me because you're talking about like a complete lack of any kind of upside or value accrual ability. And I just feel like you're passing up on too much for players that really aren't going to move the needle for you in, in any scenario. Definitely those two guys you mentioned, I think are maybe there's one other one like Debo maybe, but like I think the other guys would be comfortable with uh, ahead of him. But just speaking to the tight ends right now, I think the highest I could, I could, personally get him would be like tight end seven um i do agree though i, I guess like ceiling wise that i mean I, I don't know if i i don't know if i agree with the fact that laporta can't get to the heights of like a kelsey but i do think andrews can i think that pitts i think you're right he probably ceiling outcome best case scenario does have that potential so i can agree with that i just think the situation has been so poor and I, he he obviously is not a prototypical tight end right like the guy's not going to put his hand in the dirt often if at all. So while that's not something that, you know, you're going to worry about if he turns into the kind of the receiving option that we want him to be, um, I do think it, it limits him a little bit in terms of 
availability, like on the field availability right now, right? Like if, if things get right, then that won't be a problem. But for me, that's, that is part of the equation. That is part of why he's ranked where he is for me. So I think I'd move him above Njoku. I already have him above Kincaid. I think I would move him above Njoku pretty easily. But after that, I kind of have the standard guys still above him personally. But I, I think you're you're totally right about like DeAndre Swift and, and Big. Well, definitely DeAndre Swift. Like he should not be above above any of those tight ends, probably. To be honest with you. Yeah, I think with Pitts, it's kind of a binary thing where like if you you have there has to be an explanation for what he did to start his career. So like if the explanation now is like, well, he had this injury, he's never going to be the same again. Okay, fine. Ranking makes sense, right? If the if there's some way of arguing that what he did in his first two years was some sort of a mirage. Um, and that him being the eighth overall pick and then having a historic rookie season and then having a historic start to his second season, if somehow none of that was real or it was manufacturers because the offense was designed a certain way, okay, that's fine. But you have to be like, to rank him this low, there has to be some kind of explanation as to what those things are. And I would argue if you were explaining all those things away, he should actually be lower. Like, I, I don't know if it makes sense for him to be ranked where he is. I feel like he's either just he's a fraud all along and he's a bust and he's, and he needs to be, he needs to be three rounds lower or all of it's true. And all he needs is to get healthy and get a functional offense, which seems to be coming and he's going to be higher. Like I, I, that's what, that's the thing for me. I don't, I don't really get the middle ground take. Like I feel like it's all or nothing with Pitts at this point. Do you, you have him above that tier three group of receivers? Yeah. I have him ranked 38th. I have him yeah, wow. ahead of, I have him right behind Deshaun Watson. I have a head of tank Dell, Ayuk, London, Waddle, and that's aggressive. Like I get that's aggressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think we could both agree that that's basically like he is going to do what we're yeah. expecting him to do, ranking yeah. almost or like heading in that direction. I think that it's. I think that you're right. We're we're definitely a little low on pits. This is one we've talked about a bit, Jake and I. But I'm trying to figure out where he settles in between essentially 38 and like 50. And I think that's probably more appropriate. He's probably somewhere, man, it's just, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely dinging him significantly, significantly for not, for not doing what he's, what, what we've expected him to do. Like, that's really what it is, right? Like it's, it's, why haven't you been able to do it? And kind of thinking that regardless of the situation, he should be able to overcome. We might not be factoring in the injury stuff last year enough, which was very noticeable on film. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm already moving him in my rankings a little bit, but it's more adjusting, not really pushing him up too much. Yeah, this it, this is a struggle for me, it really is, because I do I think that you have a lot of uh, really poignant ideas about Pitts here, and I just don't know if I if I want to accept them or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, he it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like there is a there's like a trauma tax on his ranking where like he's hurt you enough times where he has to get dinged like a couple spots just for that. Um, and I just I just coined that term. I'm I'm TMing that, copywriting that, <laughs> the trauma tax. Um, the trauma tax. Yes, yeah. that's actually great. I like that a lot. But I'm I'm ready to get hurt again, to be honest, and uh, and I I just think I just think the ceiling is there, and I and I believe in the talent. But the good news is you don't have to pay 38 overall prices for him in dynasty. Like you can buy him um, affordably. His ADP is actually at 601. Yeah, you're buying him at, at our price. <laughs> Somehow exactly. we're we're really on market. You are very very close to market on him. Um, but yeah, I mean you can go buy into him at that price, and and I think that. Yeah, there are worlds where it doesn't pan out, but I, I 
I'm all about risk and reward. I'm all about range of outcomes. And so I'm not guaranteed. He could easily fall behind dozens of guys I have ranked ahead. It's just, um, it's just that if, if he does pay off, I think that it's going to be more meaningful than if some of these other guys do. It's a good point. And I think it's, it's well stated. So good stuff there. Thank you for, for joining us and roasting our rankings that, whew, that was, that was a lot. That was a lot to handle. I got, I got to tell you what, man, it, it, <laughs> I'm reeling right now. I need to go back and adjust everything. No, no. I think these are really, really good conversations. And I think, you know, once the off season rolls on a bit, once we hit free agency, we, things clear up a bit in our rankings shake up. I'd like to have you back on and maybe do another session of this. Cause I think it's um, a good time and maybe I'll, I'll take a swing at your rankings yeah, next time definitely. as well. Yeah. Okay, we've we've been going on a bit here, and we're not going to stop just yet. We are getting close, though. We're going to get out of here soon. We, we we're talkers, we're verbose. We we get it going here, but I do want to finish off with a couple dynasty trades because these are all from DU leagues. So I love this. I love having the dynasty underdog listener league leagues. Um, hopefully, people are listening and hear our takes on these. We'll, we'll kind of rapid fire them. We don't need to sit on them too long. But we got five here, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send them your way, and you and you tell me what you think. These are easy for me, so I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, these two were shockers. Oh my goodness, DU two, I believe. Uh, these both these guys plus one more went on the block, and I think they got traded in like 15 minutes and in like five minutes of each other. So we have Devonta Adams going for the 2.03 this year. What do you got? That's that's Adams easy for me. Uh, dude still has it. He can play. Um, he, I mean, even la- last year, what he did, it was worth more than the 203, and he's probably only going to score more points this year as opposed to less. So I, I'm not worried about the cliff or whatever for him. That's that's easy. Yeah, yeah, that was actually me who made that trade. I got Adams. I, I have a pretty competitive team. I think I was either in the finals or in the semis last year, and this just felt like a smash. I believe this person had both these players and came into the, the league chat and essentially changed their nicknames to, like, a second or a second plus or early second or whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah, me. So what do you think about Cooper cup for a 26 second? That's a little bit lower value. Yeah. I'm still rolling with cup here. I mean, that's, that's okay. far out for the pick. Um, I'll, I'll take the shot on the bounce back on cup. I think that's a Jake trade right there. And I do believe that he secured cup. And I also believe he was kind of in that contention area. So it's a, it's a good move. I think for both of us there, how do you feel about Khalil Shakur for the three Oh two and the three Oh three? Um, I'll take the picks. I, I'm not. I'm not okay. too sold on Shakir. Like I, I think they're gonna add a wide receiver maybe in the first round. Um, like he was fine as a fill-in, but I, I don't really think there's like a ceiling there. Yeah, I. This is this is one that's kind of like close, but I do agree with you. I think I'd rather two shots at at securing another Khalil Shakur plus maybe a player that's better. You know, like that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. This next one here. <laughs> I thought how this went down was funny. Somebody hit the lead chat and was like, highest offer for Bateman gets him in like the next 30 minutes or something. And uh, I sent over a 26 third and apparently somebody else had a, a higher projected third and sent it over. And well, they, they did you a favor. So. <laughs> you, you would rather take a third over Rashad Bateman? Yeah, no, I've got, oh, no, I love I've that. got absolutely just, no faith. He's done. I'm he's surprised done. to hear that. No, oh, I love he's, that. He's absolute toast. Like, forget it. That's That's not going to happen. Great. I'm glad they saved me because yeah. it just felt like kind of like a cheap price. Maybe I could I could flip them for more. That's that was my idea. If you're in a dynasty best ball league, I think it's it's palatable. Um, but like he, he's never going to be a guy you'll actually like put in your lineup in a real league. I guess we can agree on that. I was <laughs> I was trying to buy to flip, uh, just thinking that his value might be higher than a third at some point, twenty six third at least. But yeah, I mean I tend to agree with you that he's dust. I, the fact that he couldn't produce this year and and you saw Nelson Aguilar 
you know, taking routes and, and earning targets over him. Yeah, that's that's not good. Okay, last one we have here is, uh, this is an interesting one, just how the, the fall from grace for Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler for a 26 second and two fourths. I, I think it was the 25 and the 26 fourth, if that matters to you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to take the player here. I'll take Eckler. I, I think that there's a very good chance that he's worth more than this in the next six months. Um, like right now as a free agent coming off a really bad season, I think his value is at an absolute low, but if he signs with a team, you know, that doesn't have a clear cut running back one. And there's a lot of those teams here in a couple of weeks. I, I think his value is easily going to return to at the very least, like a mid second in this class, if not a little bit higher. So, so I'll buy Eckler for that. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I tend to believe that Eckler's season last year was impacted a bit by by injury and yeah. by the the team situation just all the injuries that occurred the fact that you know the coach was falling out of favor there's just a lot going on there i think that impacted him so i do think we could see a better year this year obviously he's on the down trend but um i think for that price it's, it's worth taking a taking a swing if you're a contender for sure all right well with that i think we're gonna get out of here we almost did a, a two hour long show which is which is pretty impressive. Before we do get out of here, I did want to thank Paul and I wanted to let everybody know to go check out his podcast, Pure Potential. It's a really great show. He has great guests on every week and he does a really, really good job with it. And I heard his producer is pretty, pretty good. I, I don't know. Yeah, but that's just very handsome as well. Um, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, just, just trying to butter me up. I get it. I get it. All right, Paul, is there anything you want to tell the people where to find you, what you got going on? Um, just anything before we get out of here. Yeah, Pure Potential Podcast, you find it on Spotify or Apple. Check that out for sure. Every new episodes every Thursday. And then just follow me on Twitter at Paul Patterson FF if you want to hear my or read my takes in word form, I guess. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Yeah, definitely follow Paul on Twitter, catch him everywhere. And tune in to our YouTube channel. Subscribe, please. Check out all the film room stuff and tune back in next week. Thanks, everybody.